Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to Seven Mile Chats. Another just quick reminder to bear with me as I am new to this, and I apologize for any audio issues or editing issues that you might hear. I promise that I'm getting better. Thanks so much for listening. everyone, and welcome to 7 Mile Chats, a podcast where I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher in a Catholic school. I've been a youth minister. I have a master's in theology. And the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm talking with someone that I know from college. We ran in very similar circles. We've done the post-college wedding circuit together. We've done karaoke together. I'm very excited to talk to Emily Vic Agnew. Welcome, Emily. Thank you, Julia. It's so nice to be here and it's nice to reconnect during these uncertain times. I'm really looking forward to this. I know it's awesome to hear your voice. You've moved recently to Canada. You're from America and New Jersey, I believe. Are you from Jersey? It's true. I was born in Philadelphia and spent a few years there and then moved right over the bridge to South Jersey and grew up there, went to Catholic University where we met. And um, and then I was in New York City for some years and I moved to Toronto in 2011 uh, when I married my Canadian husband and I've been in Toronto ever since. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it's been that long. Everybody that I've been talking to, it just seems that time has gotten away from me. 2011 seems like so long ago, but um, yeah, it's been great. It's been great to connect with people and I'm, you're my second international guest. (laughs) So I I know I like having, I love it. And um, why don't you share a little bit about, about yourself? You already kind of gave a little bit of a rundown, but is um, there anything else you'd like to share about yourself, about your, your background? Sure. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about my religious background because I think it's it's interesting for our conversation. But um, I work in Toronto right now as a music and drama teacher. I also do a lot of cabaret theater. Um, I work with a lot of maternal mental health groups in Toronto, and um, I have two small children. So I'm I'm busy in a in a generally good way. It's definitely been a challenging time for those of us with kids and work. And uh, I, I love to bike and run and swim and uh, do yoga and those kinds of things here. So yeah, that's what's going you're on. So You're so busy. I don't know how you do it. Like I, I, especially as um, a teacher, I have a lot of colleagues that are parents. I don't know how you guys do it all at all. <laughs> so um, we, we don't do it all. We, we don't do it all or we try to, and then we, we fail and fall on our faces, but it's a, it's a constant learning process for sure. Oh my gosh, especially in these times. Well, I'm so excited that you decided that you wanted to do this because I have had a lot of um, fellow Catholics on the podcast just because we went to the Catholic University of America and I, I, yeah. I teach at a Catholic school. Um, but as you mentioned, your your spiritual background is a little bit different. So I don't know if you wanted to share that now or if you want to wait till after we do the scripture. It's fine either way. Um, let me do the scripture because I think it sort of feeds into my background a bit, if that's okay. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So you've picked um, a passage from the book of James, which I'll talk a little bit um, more about after we read the verse. You're going to be reading um, James 2, 
verses 14 through 17, right? Yes. Cool. So whenever you're ready. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I love it. I love this passage and I can't wait to talk to you about it. I'm going to um, share just a little bit about the book of James, which I learned some things. Um, I'm a big fan of this book and I thought it was written by, it's a I think common misconception that it's written by one of the apostles because there were two apostles named James. There, were James. there was James the Greater and James the Lesser. But this book, I guess, is not attributed to either one of those apostles. It's like some other <sighs> James really close to Jesus and a okay. member of the early um, Christian community. And I mean, it's, it makes sense. There's tons of Johns and James and Marys in the Bible. It was just like, those were common names. Um, And I read in my introduction in my Bible, which is the new American translation, that this book is, is identified as a very Jewish work. And a lot of the early Christians did have a strong Jewish background or were Jewish before they converted, but that it has a Greek writing style, which is interesting because we were also, you know, converting in the early church, a lot of, um, members of the Greek community. So maybe, you know, you're, yeah. you're in the Greek Orthodox community. So a little shout out there. Um, and, and these letters in the New Testament are mostly written by Paul, but here we have a few that we include that are um, by other writers like James. And the letters are meant to just kind of form these early Christian communities because the Christianity was so new. And a lot of them are fighting over like, okay, we need to keep these Jewish laws or we need to keep these Greek laws. And um, Paul and these other writers of the early Christian community are just saying, like, this is what Christianity is about. And um, my last little thing about this is that some people say that this kind of contradicts what Paul has said. Paul was kind of more focused on, like, just believing in Christ. And that's always yeah. been very deba debated in the Catholic Church versus, like, yeah. other Christian faiths is, like, do we just need to believe in Christ or do we need to also do the work? And I think James, he does not mess around and is just like, nope, you need to believe, but you also need to like do the work and be active and show it through your deeds. So the passage you've picked is very much like, you know, it doesn't mess around. It's like faith of that works is dead. <laughs> so you that's have to do I the work I, too. Yeah. And that's what I think I really like about it is that idea of um, doing the work and and not, and maybe, maybe that is a, is a path to your faith. And at least for me, that's how I found it. Um, is it okay if I talk a little bit about my own background? Yes, please. Yeah. I was going to ask you, why did you pick this and, and definitely share a little bit about why this, the scripture stood out to you? Well, I'd like to go back a little bit in time. Um, so my maternal grandmother who just turned 98, um, that's awesome. Yeah, she's and she's doing well. She grew up in Missouri and uh, she left Missouri and moved to Boston and she wanted to escape um, her Methodist roots. She felt uh, very stifled by them. And so she heard about the Unitarian Church back in the 1950s and uh, she joined the Unitarian Church or it was called it's called the First Church in Belmont. Um, and it had been around since 1856. And it's a Unitarian Church. And so she 
was sort of the start of Unitarianism for our family. And I was raised Unitarian um, in the church in Cherry Hill, uh, the first Unitarian church in Cherry Hill. And my mom uh, was active in the church. Uh, I was very active in the church. I did a lot of youth groups and I did a lot of the, um, the Sunday services and those kinds of things. Um, for those of you who don't know, and Julia, you might want to jump in if you know something else. Um, the Unitarian started, Unitarianism started in Poland and in Transylvania in the 1560s, and they were kind of moving away from the idea of the Trinity. Um, but there's lots of similarities with the Sunday worship and the hymns and sermons and those kinds of things. Um, but Unitarians, for, for at least for me, uh, we had this belief that God embraces all people equally um, and that, you know, you find truth and your meaning in life through other faiths. So as a child, one weekend we would go uh, during my youth group times, we would go to a Buddhist temple or we'd go to a Quaker meeting house or we'd go to a Catholic service. So we were exposed to many different kinds of uh, religions and cultures and it was about sort of creating uh, your own sort of religion, um, which can also have its challenges as well as somebody who's trying to figure out your own, your own thoughts about life and your own religious beliefs. Um, you know, it's, it's challenging sometimes to be looking at all these things and creating your own, but that's how I was raised. And for me, um, as a thinker, I really, I really liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and I actually ended up going to Romania, um, back to Transylvania when I was 18, the summer before we started Catholic U. Um, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, to do service work and to sort of see the roots of where uh, Unitarianism kind of was born. And so that was really, that was a really wonderful time too, because a lot of like what we were just saying, it's not about just like talking the talk, it's walking the walk. And so a lot of my upbringing was, you know, soup kitchens or um, homeless, you know, clothing drives or all these kinds of things as well. Um, so that was always integrated into my, into my upbringing and my religious upbringing. Um, and my, uh, my grandmother, just going back to her, she, her kind of her quote is help us to help one another. And that's something that I always think in my head, like help us to help one another. Um, you know, we have to be we have to take care of ourselves so that we can help others. It's not just about us. And and it kind of reminded me of that, you know, the, the James scripture here that we were talking mm -hmm. about. So that's kind of the so, background. Yeah, there. I love that. you. Thank you for explaining Unitarianism. I do a unit with my students about world religions, but it's so hard to touch <laughs> upon. There's so many. And I love that yeah. Unitarian. Unitarianism seems to take some of the best things of all of the faiths. Um, I'm so curious as like to what your Sunday services would look like, but that might be a podcast for another <laughs> time. But did you do, are you comfortable sharing a little bit? I think you did share that you focus a, like on service a lot, but like were Sunday services reading from, were they like from reading from different texts? Yeah. So a lot of, so I grew up with um, a minister who, Rudy Nemser, who I really adored. And I went to Romania with him and he was uh, a really formative thinker. He was a poet. He was a hippie. Um, and then as I got older, we had a, a minister named Melanie and she um, sort of took a more traditional approach and did a lot more um, within like the Bible structure and what, whatever. Um, but a lot of the, you know, the services did have a, a root in maybe scripture or maybe, you know, something from 
um, a like different a Buddhist book. text or yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. I mean, I I remember singing. We didn't start the fire during one of our services. <laughs> wow, wow, that really is. We could get into a whole nother thing. Um, but then I, I want you to to share a little bit about how you ended up at Catholic University. Was it because we had a really good music theater program and you're a musician or how did you end up at Catholic? Yeah, so I applied to a bunch of different schools and I did an overnight at Catholic U and I and I really loved it. I had such, I felt a sense of community. I felt, I really loved the access to the city. The music school is obviously excellent. Um, I also liked a lot of programs that I looked at, um, you could only study music or theater. You couldn't also, I wanted to study Spanish. I wanted to take philosophy. I didn't want to be sort of pigeonholed at that point into one thing. And I loved that there were those opportunities and I took them. I, I minored in Spanish. I took a lot of religion and philosophy classes. Um, and I felt for me, it was the right, it was the right choice. Um, I was funny because I was looking at through some of the pictures and I was thinking, you know, when I was at Catholic U, I never really, nobody was, I think I was a curiosity in some ways because I definitely was a minority religiously, but I also feel that there was a lot of respect um, for diversity there and for religious diversity. I never felt any sort of um, anybody trying to convert me or anybody trying to make me think otherwise. I just felt a very welcoming presence. I often went to mass with my friends. I often... Yeah for a blessing from the father, you know, all these things that, um, and we did lots of volunteer work. You know, we right. I even went to Florida with some friends. We built, did Habitat for Humanity. So a lot of sort of my beliefs, I found the similar people there. Um, that's good. That's good to hear. I'm glad that you didn't feel isolated or excluded. You know, I think that that's a common critique now, unfortunately. And, and that makes me sad because that's not what my understanding of Catholicism or Christianity is supposed to be. But um, so then you did eventually convert though, right? Am I right? You converted to Greek Orthodoxy or is it just, yes, like, can you tell me I, a little bit about that? I didn't. I will send you a picture of my, if you'd like, of the priest doing my blessing because I was uh, 29 um, and my husband, I had been with my husband and we decided to get married and his family, um, is Greek Orthodox. And so to be Greek is kind of to be Greek Orthodox. It's a very tied mm -hmm. thing. And it was very important for him and his family that we are married in the church. And, uh, I very much respected that. And as our friend, Laura Collins said, there's nothing more Unitarian <laughs> than converting to Greek Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, you're kind of right in some ways. Um, so yeah, so I was, I was, I did a couple classes with, with our priest, Father Triandophilos, and I had a sense of the Orthodox community. We had been going to church together while we were dating and I converted and I actually went through a full like dunk. So you're basically in this huge, imagine like golden bathtub and, you know, they put oil on you and say the blessings and you are fully submerged three times. Um, you know, as you probably know, the, the Orthodox, uh, is very traditional. So the Greek mm -hmm. Orthodox is very traditional. So a lot of the things they do are these very traditional practices. And so that was one of them. Um, and I have to say, you know, there was some nerves about it, but it was a really beautiful experience for me. I mean, did I get a brain transplant and believe completely new things? No. But did I feel welcome in this com new community? Yes. Did I um, 
you know, did I feel like I was moving in the right direction for my family, for my partner? Yes. Um, so all these things uh, for me, uh, it was it was sort of the right the right place to go. Um, I love that. I yeah. I'm just so fascinated by all of by all all of your religious kind of background. Um, how does then the scripture verse kind of tie? Where are the connections to all of those experiences? How do you see them connect in this verse? So I remember being a child and asking my mom, do you believe in God? And my mom said, to quote Les Mis, to love love another person is to see the face of God. And Mm. like, I get choked up just thinking about that because it's not for me. um, This verse isn't just loving your family your, you know, your real, your brothers and sisters by blood. For me, it's about the people around you, the human race, um, those who are uh, struggling, those who, you know, maybe have a a crap hand. Um, So for me, that's what I feel when I, when I read this verse, it sort of takes me back to all those, those times in my childhood and, you know, at university and all those things where I remember people reaching out to help um, you know, orphaned babies or elderly people needing company or, you know, big acts and small acts alike, I truly believe can, can make a difference. Um, and I think my faith has had a lot of, um, has given me a lot of direction in that way. And I, and I do try to be aware of my own blessings and also what ways can I help other people, I guess. So for me, that's what it is. And, you know, even in the Greek Orthodox religion, um, it's important to look after friends and relatives, but one of the things that I really took away was that, you know, Jesus states that um, when we benefit, you know, we benefit as people when we serve those um, who we're not necessarily getting an exchange of anything, that it's, you know, the, the hungry, the, the, you know, the sick, whatever, the imprisoned. So for us, um, even as Greek Orthodox too, it's it's an awareness of the bigger community at large, so... Awesome. I, I can definitely, especially when you were sharing about like your Unita- Unitarian and then also like your work at Catholic U doing service, I can see how your life has lived out this verse and that you, you know, I can see your connection to this verse. For me, um, there's, as a Catholic, you know, there's times when we interpret scripture very literally. And then there's times where we take in the historical context. Like a lot of the Jewish Old Testament books aren't meant to be necessarily taken literally because they have a lot of figurative language. And I don't think people mm-hmm. realize that. And that's, uh, you know, that's also probably a podcast for another time. But um, but for me, there's times where we really take it literally. And when you're mentioning Jesus's words, like the passage you're referencing, I believe is in Matthew, where it's like, you know, when did you clothe the naked? When did you feed the hungry? If you did these things, you did them for me. Um, and I don't think that's a metaphor. I think that's literal. And then yep. this passage that you've chosen too about about good works from James, faith and works, I, I think that we also take that literally. Um, I think, it, as I said earlier, it is something that sets Catholics apart from some other Christian beliefs is that we do think that faith and work have to go together. You can't just say, I believe in Jesus, so I'm saved. It's like you also have to do the deeds. And so I think that this is a very literal passage, but we forget it. You know, I, I see a lot of my, and, and myself too, like I'm not perfect. Like there's times, especially now in quarantine where it's really hard. It's like, what kind of action can I take? Like what good works can I do when I can't physically be out maybe, 
you know, in the streets or in, in doing soup kitchens and things like you said, um, I think there are Mm -hmm. safe ways to do it. So maybe, I don't know, can you speak to that? Like, what do you think this passage looks like right now? What does it look like in quarantine? How do you think we live this passage currently? Sure. I think that's a really, a really good point because like you were saying, um, a lot of the work that I do now is I do a lot of cabaret and the cabarets are fundraisers or, you know, you do, um, yeah, you go out there and you could do a soup kitchen or volunteer work. And I think that that's really hard. Um, I think for us with the Greek Orthodox, I am finding, um, it's not, it doesn't, I would have said 10 years ago, this is something I never would have done, but I do find lighting candles for somebody or for some Mm. actually be an act of faith for me. Um, just the moment of going into my church and just taking a moment to be aware of my blessings or, you know, saying a prayer for somebody else. Um, because usually then I act on it. I call somebody, I write a letter to somebody, um, you know, I reach out. Um, I find that oftentimes that slowing down and, and lighting the candle and being in that, in that place, that spiritual place gives me uh, like the impetus to then do a small act. And, you know, there is, there's nothing small about writing letters or calling somebody. Um, right now we have so much uncertainty and we have so many fears and anxieties that maybe we don't always express that, you know, for somebody to call or send a letter, I think can go a long way. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you agree? I totally agree. No, I was going to say, as, as you were talking, um, St. Therese of Lisieux is one of my favorite saints. Um, she died really young. Um, she was from the 1800s, France, but um, she was really sickly towards the end. And something that she always said was she always wanted to be a missionary, but she couldn't physically go out and be a missionary. So she would always mm-hmm. talk about these small deeds that she could do, like to do small acts of kindness with great love. Um, I'm paraphrasing, Mm. but I I think what you're describing are these little moments. So maybe we can't go to do the big things right now, though there are a lot of people, at least here in America, that are doing amazing things. I've been talking a lot about um, people in Black Lives Matter movement actually physically in the in the streets doing the work. Um, but if we're not comfortable doing that right now, for whatever reason, those small acts that you're mentioning, like lighting a candle in church, writing a letter to somebody, I think I absolutely agree that that, that does something and, and can then motivate further action or um, either for that person or for us. Uh, I definitely think that I agree. Um, I was looking at the the verse a little bit more closely too. Um, I love that, like, if you say it's verse 16 is what I'm looking at. It says, what if you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat well, but you do not give them the necessities to do that. Yeah. What good is it? It's like, okay, the well wishes like, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, and, and, and I do believe, like I just said, prayer. If I say, I'm going to pray for you, I better go and pray for you. You know, like, I don't, I don't just want to just say, well wishes. Yes, I'll pray for you. I need to physically do it. So even if we're not like out doing giving people coats and doing that, we still need to do the things we say we're going to do. And, um, and I do think providing, like you said, with cabaret, like maybe running a fundraiser, like providing for the needs that we say, like, so if we're going to say this, we need to live it in some way, whatever that way is. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I've also been thinking about the generations to come once our school was shut down, you know, they did a big can fundraiser and bottle fundraiser, raising money, uh, for the soup, you know, for the local food kitchen. And it was a no contact way where people could just take the empties that they had and turn it into money. And then the money got donated. Um, I see my own daughter doing a lot of, she loves animals. She does a lot of 
uh, freezy sales or lemonade stand for then donates to different um, like humane society things. Um, so, you know, there's definitely these like these small acts that that I think do also can reverberate uh, bigger than you necessarily know. And I feel strange in some ways talking about it because I think um, what I always liked about, you know, a lot of the religions, especially with Catholicism too, was there, there was a sense of humility. So sometimes it, it does feel strange to think about it or to talk about it. Um, like, a I did this, but in the same sense, I think that your actions speak so loud that if you, you can do them and you see other people doing them, um, you know, it does, it does sort of show your faith out more out loud. And I guess I've always lived out loud in some ways. So. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I agree. Um, in the gospels, again, to go kind of go back to the gospels and, and yes. uh, Jesus, like he, in, in Matthew's gospel, I believe as well, you know, he does say like not to do these actions so that everybody looks at you and is like, Oh, look at me. I'm praying or, Oh, look at me. Like it, it's all about intention. And that's something that's been coming mm -hmm. up a lot of these podcasts too. Um, so I agree that we shouldn't be, it should be the motivation is so important. Um, I guess is what I'm trying, I'm trying to say is, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, we can talk about all of these things, but we need to actually do them and our intention needs to be, be good. Um, there was something else that you said that I wanted to touch on, but I, I've lost it, but it was, <laughs> um, okay. I wanted to quickly tell you because I think you might find it interesting. And I realized how lucky I am when I was sort of writing a couple notes is that when I was in my teens, I went to Transylvania and Romania and saw sort of the, uh, birth of Unitarianism. Um, when I was at CUA, I studied abroad and I got to go to Rome and sort of see where Catholicism, um, you know, really took a lot of root. And then uh, this past summer, my in-laws, uh, we went with my in-laws, my husband's family, uh, back to Greece. And we got to go to Meteora, which is um, in northern Greece. And it's where the monks um, basically sort of kept orthodoxy alive. Um, and Anyway, I just, I feel, for me, I felt like these, these travels, um, the seeing these, you know, monuments, but also these places um, was very humbling. And it was very, it was just a way to sort of put it in a visual. And I was just wondering, because I know you like to travel, I was just wondering, you know, those experiences for you. I know it's not specifically what we're talking about, but I think we both have a love of travel. Absolutely. <laughs> That's I'm amazing curious. that... Sure. And I, I would be curious, too, if you found a connection between those places, like going to Transylvania, Romania, Rome, and then Greece. Did you find kind of like spiritual threads that connected in those places? I did. I definitely think one was music, um, okay. which, you know, I, I really is obviously a love for me. Maybe I was looking for it. Um, you know, I also I think for a lot of uh, for me, there was a lot of connecting to my history. I got to understand my in-laws history, my, my husband's generational that went back to the orthodoxy. I got to understand that a little bit better. I got to understand, um, you know, all the history that was happening as well. Um, so I obviously, I really like the history of it all, but you know, mm -hmm. there's a feeling too, that, that can't necessarily be translated mm -hmm. that you get. And I, and I had, and I had that, and I think that's what traveling can do, uh, if we're fortunate to be able to do it and to not sort of take those experiences for granted. I agree. I, I think I wish that more people 
you know, I know it's such a privilege. Um, I really wish more people could do that because I think then it would change our perspectives. Um, I, I love traveling for that reason. And I always try to find some kind of spiritual connection, like wherever I, I am, I've been very blessed that like, it just so happens that I'm like in Spain, like during Holy week or something, or right. like I'm in, I'm my friend and I, I'm of Polish background, as you know, and, um, we went to my friend, I went to Poland and it happened to be like, we hit it just right where, they were unveiling in Częstochowa, which is like where the big Marian devotion is in Poland, like that they were unveiling the Black Madonna, which is like the big icon of Poland. Yeah. So I just like oh. have found myself in these very like <laughs> blessed moments. And I, they do form my spirituality. And it is cool to see. I've been to Greece and to see like those, how our faith has that history that you're talking about. And then the connections that there really is more that unites us, I think, than Absolutely. we realize. You know, and then in this time, we're focusing so much on the differences. And if we could just focus on these commonalities, you know, like I think that we'd be eliminating a lot of our, our problems that we have, but we focus so much on the differences instead of the unity, you know. Yes, um, I, absolutely, I, absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, I wanted to read to you the, um, this quote that maybe you know as well by an American uh, Unitarian minister, Edward Everett Hale. Um, because recently I feel like it's informed me in feeling a bit helpless with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it reads, I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I cannot do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. Ugh, I love that. And I think that relates much to what we've been talking about and so much to this passage, right? Like we, we want to mm-hmm. do these works. We want to do these good. We want to help and and help our brothers and sisters, but we can be overwhelmed. And so that's good to hear too, like these small acts that one thing that I can do um, can make a difference. And I know maybe it sounds trite or cheesy to say, but I think we have to believe that, especially right now. So thank you for sharing that. Is You're there welcome. anything that you wanted to share or um, about this verse or about your, your life. Um, you have such a great story. I think that you should start a podcast and you should like, I don't know, share all your stories and wisdom. You have no, such, such a, a unique background. I can, tell you, I can tell you a funny story. And, um, the first Christmas we spend Christmas with my family in New Jersey and we do go to Unitarian Christmas service. And the first year there was, uh, this was the first year my husband had gone. I'm sorry. We go every year, but this was the first year my husband had gone. And, um, they did the story of Mary and Joseph and, um, the kids from the youth group all participated. And, um, one child was dressed like a shark because that's what he wanted to be. And, uh, so, you know, there was a shark in the manger and, um, it just was like, my husband was just like, wow, this is kind of what I thought, but I can't believe this is what it, what's happening. And, um, I think it was a nice dose of humor, um, and I also think it was a nice sort of memory for us all just to sort of uh, have this this wonderful story happening, but also making it really accessible for the kids that were in the youth group at that time. And it it reminded me of why I always sort of felt so welcome in that in the church there, too. So um, I love that. I do think that there there's there should be humor in our faith. I think that, yes. um, you know, it's it's serious, obviously, but um that's beautiful. Like, and like kids, Jesus always said, like, let the kids come to me. So let them have their little shark, you know, even if it's not historically accurate. I love it. Um, Well, thank you, Emily, so much. I really could talk to you forever. Um, And I hope maybe you'll do this again. Maybe we can pick a different verse and we can. Yes. Anytime. I I really enjoyed sort of thinking back on my own history and 
uh, realizing that I am from, you know, a long line mm -hmm. of other people who have been exploring their faith and hopefully my children will continue, you know, exploring their faith. And so, um, and also I'm just really glad that we're still connected. So thank you for, for thinking of me. I, I genuinely really enjoyed this. I'm so glad that we are still connected. This time has been awesome to connect with people um, that I haven't maybe in a while. So I'm grateful for that as well. Is there anything you wanted Absolutely. to plug? I know that you're like a musician and you have your cabarets. Is there anything you wanted to no, have our I, listeners know, check of, out? It, yeah, it's kind of quiet right now. Um, yeah, no, it's it's kind of quiet. I'm I'm thankfully just uh, working on maybe a couple things with my choir virtually for the fall. and. Um, yeah. So, you know, just vote in the election. Yes. It's from my Canadian friend. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, couldn't have said it better myself. So uh, if you want to follow me or talk to me and I can um, convey messages to Emily, uh, you can find me on Instagram at seven mile chats on Instagram and on Twitter, Miss Struckley one M S S T R U K E L Y one. And I'd be happy to talk scripture or anything about this podcast with you. Um, Thank you again, Emily, for being here, and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Wonderful. Thank you.